Hey, welcome to Socialism for All. This file is being recorded for the May 2023 edition of Socialism for All, and it's an audiobook of From the Conversation with the Delegation of the CCCP of China in Moscow by Stalin from 1949. If you like this video, please click like and subscribe and consider supporting on Patreon at patreon.com slash socialism for all. There's a link to Patreon in the video description. This file is hosted at revolutionarydemocracy.org, and we begin with an introduction by Vijay Singh. This document is of some interest as it shows that the persistent allegations of the leadership of the Communist Party of China, widely circulated after 1956 to the effect that the leadership of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union and Stalin had an overbearing attitude to the Chinese communists, are inaccurate. Such criticisms were a little different in spirit from those made by Trotskyism in the 1930s and Titoism in the 1940s and 1950s. In his discussion with Surin Bose in 1970, Zhou Enlai stated that Mao had opposed the notion of the Patriarchal Party at the 1960 Moscow meeting of the Communist and Workers' Parties with reference to Khrushchev and Stalin. The documentation presented here suggests otherwise inasmuch as it was the Central Committee of the Communist Party of China which decided in July 1949 to submit to the decisions of the CPSUB. Stalin sharply remonstrated against this decision, arguing that this was in principle impermissible between two ruling communist parties. The Russian editor of Volume 18 of the Works of Stalin, in his annotation, cites further the fraternal criticisms by the Soviet leader of the notion propagated by the CPC and Mao himself from the 1930s onwards of the notion of the signification of Marxism in China. So, beginning... The Chinese delegation declares that the Communist Party of China will submit to the decisions of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. To us, this seems odd. The party of one state submitting to a party from another state. It has never happened and is impermissible. It is true that both the parties must be accountable before their respective peoples, must confer with each other on certain questions, help each other, and in difficulty unite both the parties. So today's meeting of the Politburo, with your participation, serves as one of the forms of association between our parties, and it must be so. We are very grateful for such an honor, but some ideas are not acceptable, and we want to point them out. It's like advice from a friend. It is so not only in words, but in deed too. We may give you advice, but cannot give orders, as we are insufficiently informed about the situation in China. Cannot even compare ourselves with you, in the knowledge of all the nuances of the situation. But above all, we cannot give orders, because the affairs of China must be fully resolved by you. We cannot resolve them for you. You have to understand the importance of your position, and that the mission that you have taken upon yourself has an historical significance unsurpassed before in history. And this is not meant to be just a compliment. This just goes to show how great is your responsibility and the historical significance of your mission. Exchange of views between our two parties is essential, but our view should never be interpreted as an order. The communist parties of other countries may reject our suggestions. We too may not accept the suggestions of the communist parties of other countries. Next section. Note. Stalin expresses astonishment by the posture of complete submission of the Chinese communists to the Soviet decisions, but this posture is the effect of the directive from Mao Zedong and is contained in the report dated 4 July 1949 that was handed over to the delegation of the CCAUCPB by the CCCPC on the question of the relationship between the AUCPB and the CPC, it is stated in the document, Comrade Mao Zedong and the CPC are of the view, quote, 
AUCPB is the main headquarter of the International Communist Movement and the CPC, a headquarter in just one direction. The interests of a part must be subservient to international interests, and therefore the CPC will unequivocally accept the decisions of the AUCPB, even though the Comintern no longer exists and the CPC is not part of the Inform Bureau of the European Communist Parties. Editors note, Stalin, having read the report, in this place writes, no, exclamation point. If on some questions there arise differences in the views between the CPC and the AUCPB, then the CPC, having explained its view, would submit to and decisively carry through the decisions of the AUCPB. Again, Stalin wrote in the margin, no, exclamation point. We think we should establish as close ties as possible between our two parties, mutually send appropriate political representatives in order to resolve the questions of concern to both our parties, and to achieve better mutual understanding between our parties. Here, Stalin wrote, yes. We want that the CCAUCPB and Comrade Stalin may give us without any reservations their directives, and criticize the work and the policies of the CPC. In the conversation, the meeting of the Politburo of the CCAUCPB is mentioned, in which the delegation of the CCCPC, headed by Liu Xiaoqi, took part and presented the report on the military, political, and economic situation in China. From the beginning of 1947 to the end of 1949, Mao Zedong's visit to the USSR was several times planned and then postponed. Regular communication was maintained for a prolonged period between him and Stalin, which was carried through radio communication and highly secret. Neither the Ministry of External Affairs nor the Soviet Embassy in China knew about it. Stalin proved himself as an experienced conspirator and finally met Mao Zedong not as a partisan and rebel leader, but as the leader of the victorious Chinese Revolution, the chairman of the newly born People's Republic of China. The conversations during the visit of Mao Zedong to the USSR during the 16th of December and the 17th of February 1950 are contained in the book by Ladovsky, The USSR and Stalin in China's Destiny. Fragments of the theoretical reasoning of Stalin in conversations with Mao Zedong are also of interest as set forth according to materials of V. M. Zhukrai in the book by V. V. Vakani, The Personal Secret Service of J. V. Stalin, Moscow, 2009. Quote, you speak of Sinified socialism. There is nothing of the sort in nature. There is no Russian, English, French, German, Italian socialism, as much as there is no Chinese socialism. There is only one Marxist-Leninist socialism. It is another thing that, in the building of socialism, it is necessary to take into consideration the specific features of a particular country. Socialism is a science, necessarily having, like all science, certain general laws, and one simply needs to ignore them, and the building of socialism will be destined to failure. What are these general laws of building of socialism? 1. Above all, it is the dictatorship of the proletariat, the workers and peasant state, a particular form of the union of these classes under the obligatory leadership of the most revolutionary class in history, the class of workers. Only this class is capable of building socialism and suppressing the resistance of the exploiters and petty bourgeoisie. 2. Socialized property of the main instruments and means of production, expropriation of all the large factories and their management by the state. 3. Nationalization of all capitalist banks, the merging of all of them into a single state bank, and strict regulation of its functioning by the state. 4. The scientific and planned conduct of the national economy from a single center, 
obligatory use of the following principle in the building of socialism. From each according to their capacity, to each according to their work. Distribution of the material goods depending upon the quality and quantity of the work of each person. 5. Obligatory domination of Marxist-Leninist ideology. 6. Creation of armed forces that would allow the defense of the accomplishments of the revolution. And always remember that any revolution is worth anything only if it is capable of defending itself. 7. Ruthless armed suppression of counter-revolutionaries and foreign agents. These, in short, are the main laws of socialism as a science, requiring that we relate to them as such. If you understand this, everything with the building of socialism in China will be fine. If you won't, you will do great harm to the international communist movement. As far as I know, in the CPC there is a thin layer of the proletariat, and the nationalist sentiments are very strong. And if you will not conduct genuinely Marxist-Leninist class policies, and not conduct struggle against bourgeois nationalism, the nationalists will strangle you. Then, not only will socialist construction be terminated, but China may become a dangerous toy in the hands of the American imperialists. In the building of socialism in China, I strongly recommend you to fully utilize Lenin's splendid work, The Immediate Tasks of Soviet Power. This would assure success. And there's a note, this was translated from the Russian by Tahir Asgar. And there are a number of other citations in the text. If you want to look it up, we will put a link in the description as always.